Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome back to the Media Podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. It's been a while. Apologies for the break, but we're aiming to have new episodes for you from the autumn. Uh, in the meantime, we wanted to share this bonus episode with you about a part of our industry you may not have thought too much about before. They're the invisible voices in lifts, self-service checkouts and smart speakers. They narrate your audiobooks, introduce the next programme on TV and voice all your favourite cartoon characters. Then, once a year... Hundreds of them flock to a hotel in South London to practice their conversational reading style, swap client horror stories, and drink a bit too much on a boat down the Thames. One Voice is the UK's biggest conference for voiceovers, and Leah Marks and Nick Redman from the British Podcast Award-nominated VoiceOver Social Podcast have put together this collection of the best bits of One Voice 2021, especially for you, our devoted media podcast listeners. Expect showing off from some of the country's best impressionists, furious rants about casting and diversity, and one of the best outtakes in the world of voiceover this year. Uh, I'll be back at the end of the show, but for now I will hand you over to the show's hosts, Nick and Leah. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm a voiceover artist and a voice and accent coach. And I'm Leah, and I'm a voiceover and an actor and a BBC Radio Manchester newsreader, and I work in audio drama production as well. Uh, we've been mining the One Voice Conference for content for years now, but they've <laughs> finally made us their official podcasters last year, and this year we're bringing you, media podcast listeners, some of our favourite bits that we think you'll enjoy as well. Now, coming up, we have some of the most up-to-date information on how AI is going to impact voiceover work, a dip into the world of continuity, and a cracking demonstration of how not to say the word flaps. <laughs> but before that, here's the keynote speaker from the conference's first day, impressionist Rory Bremner. Yeah, I didn't know this until the beginning of this year. Um, Channel 4, it's 1992. We've moved across from the BBC. Uh, and we're thinking, right, how can we just push the boundaries a bit? It's a new satire show. But well, OK, let's do some hoax calling. And if I could ring up, this was at the time, I don't know if you could imagine a time like this, this is the time when the Prime Minister, uh, Tory Prime Minister, there was a lot of arguments about Europe. Can you imagine? And backbenchers giving the government, the Prime Minister, a really hard time. Can you imagine? Anyway, and John Major, was off microphone, and famously there was a reporter called them the Bastards, the Eurosceptic Bastards. So Major was abroad. I thought, I'll ring up the Bastards and pretend to be John Major, and, and we'll give them a hard time. So anyway, I'll cut it short, but uh, I rang this guy called Richard Boddy. I said, hello, Richard. Oh, Prime Minister, hello. Now, what's all this stuff you've been saying behind my back? 
I'm just thinking about the unemployed. I know, I know, Richard. I don't want to join them. That's my... And we had this... And we're doing this. We didn't have a script. We just had the microphone and two people in the room and, and just listening. And we're making... But it's that moment when, when you realise he thinks you're John Major and it's like the safe door has swung open and you're thinking, oh, my God, so your heart's thumping away. And I was making it up, and I said, I want you to come to the conference. He said, well, I don't come to the conference. I said, no, I want you to come. I want you to dance with me on the last night. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, we're all right. Anyway, what I didn't know was that he, this man I was taught, Richard Body, was the ringleader for a group of backbench MPs who were going to give Major a really hard time at the party conference in a couple of weeks' time. They were going to, they were going to really rock the boat, and there was going to be this big revolt. But... Because he'd spoken to John Major, he hadn't spoken to me, he called it off. <laughs> and so anyway... The, so you changed the course of history in more well, ways than one. Yeah. Well, word or delayed out, Brexit, maybe. Yeah, I, I delayed Brexit by about 25 years. But word got out around Whitehall, and they said, well, no, you didn't speak to the Prime Minister. He said, that wasn't the Prime Minister. He said, well, I think I'd know. <laughs> and he said, he said anyway, um, if, he's, if he denies that call, he goes down in my estimation. He said, that call has saved his bacon. And true enough, there's all these cabinet papers which came out at the beginning of the year. Um, so he didn't believe it. Eventually, he apologised to the cabinet secretary. But yeah, that's what happened. He called off a revolt because he'd spoken to John Major, and Major had, uh, had, um, had reassured him by asking him to dance. Which, just the po- <laughs> which the, I mean, the point of that is, however satirical you think you are being, the real life is just even more, and it's just overtaken even more dramatically in the last... Uh, 10 years or five years even take Trump you know try satirize that you know I will tell you you know he's like I'm like the cat that turned up at Crufts he is the cat that turned up at Crufts and people say this is a dog show because so I'm here now it's your problem <laughs> love it uh, yes um, so that was one incident where, uh, where you impersonated a famous person on a telephone and fooled them. You also tell a lovely story about Stephen Fry. Um, <laughs> um, no, Stephen, no, just Stephen tells the story about, uh, he's very close to Prince Charles anyway, and, um, and he got a phone call from Prince Charles. He, he said, oh, no, if you're ever passing, do, uh, do, do drop in, you give me a call. And this phone rings one day, and Stephen picks up the phone, and it's, ah, oh, Stephen... It's, it's Charles here. I wonder... He said, oh, fuck off, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we're going to hear from Sophie Hind, who's the MD of VoiceWorks.ai, which is a voice technology and audio production company that's worked on Google Home and Amazon Alexa. She spoke on the AI and text-to-speech panel and was first of all asked by conference organiser Hugh Edwards to give some examples of how her company has been using AI voices. Okay, so I could give you a couple of examples. Um, one is a, an Alexa skill we built, uh, which is sport-focused, and sport is all about emotion and passion, as we know. And within our skill, we deliver news on all 20 Premier League clubs. So it's a blend of human voice and TTS. So where you've got short, real-time information that's changing rapidly, so scores or fixtures, there's a place for TTS. Where you're doing something like a match preview or a post-match report, we use human voice because you want to convey that emotion, that passion, what happened, what the manager said. Um, so we find it's a real blend and we've even, we're real advocates of human voice. We've even used a human voice to voice all the menus in the skill. So often 
with Alexa, you'll hear Alexa's voice, but we've chosen to use a voiceover because we think it gives a richer experience. Uh, another great example where we've used AI is um, with a kind of chatbot. So for education and universities, often when they're recruiting, they're recruiting students from all around the world where you've got multiple languages, multiple queries. So we have a system where um, the chatbot will answer queries via voice, it can answer via social media, but it can also translate into multiple um, languages. So if it's a short question about courses, about the campus, about you know what to do in their first week, it works really effectively. And we've also found that generationally, you know, that sort of younger demographic are very happy to interact with a the bot. They know it's a bot, but that's not a problem. And I think that's one of the big things to consider is I think we as consumers are happy with text-to-speech in certain environments as long as we know it's text-to-speech or a bot. Uh, but for, for us, you know, we create a lot of audio content and there is no substitute for me for human voice if it's a longer form piece or a news piece. What do you think the future is? I think there's some really interesting opportunities. I mean, we're passionate about voice and voice technology. You know, there's over 4 billion people around the world using voice assistants now. It's huge. It's not going anywhere. And it's not just about smart speakers and the little plastic thing in the corner of your room. It's about the way that we're all interacting. You know, the biggest use of voice is on our phones. Everyone's got a phone. We're all mobile. So where I see a huge opportunity for voiceovers is we preach to brands, if, you're, if your brand is being discovered via voice, what does it sound like? And there's still a huge, huge number of businesses that haven't thought about it. You know, they have amazing visual brand guidelines and logos and fonts and beauty. And when it comes to voice, if you ask a voice assistant about a brand, if you don't have any audio content or any presence on your website, it will just return whatever it crawls in the background. So it could be reading a, a wiki page in a horrible text-to-speech. So we are working with brands to create their audiogram brand guidelines, which includes using voiceovers and human voice so that really beautiful content that matches their brand values to return. So I see that as a massive opportunity um, for voiceover. Um, but I also see that, you know, with text-to-speech, we will all start using kind of digital assistance more to do the really short, routine, mundane things, and that's where text-to-speech will become more valuable to us like the fridge telling us when we're running out of butter and adding it to our shopping list. <laughs> Handy. Let's, let's carry that thread on about positive things that we can think about, positive um, either stories or things that we think will be coming. Yeah, I think it, it can lead to, you know, different types of work or extra work. So, for example, I know, I think in the, the film and gaming industry, TTS is used quite a lot in pre-production, um, which, you know, keeps costs down and then real voices are used um, at the right point. But also where there's, there's rapidly changing information or high volumes of information, we have a brief to create a recipe skill for Alexa and there's 500 plus recipes in the first iteration. To voice 500 recipes could be quite cost prohibitive for the client, but actually we can build the skill with a lot of human voice and then when it just comes to the instruction bit, I think the user will tolerate having an AI voice, just giving the step-by-step -step sort of snippet instructions. So I think it will lead to more opportunity in different applications. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Next up, we have a short clip of Channel 4's Pete Nottage and Danny Cowan from a brilliant session about the role of the continuity announcer. And I pop up in this one too. Here you've got um, two booths. Uh, one of them you may be able to recognized from the two in it, what kind of a booth that is. Uh, but these are two decommissioned booths now. Uh, the one on the left is Sky One. But it's all very similar. So you have your microphone, you have your screens, basically it's showing what's on telly yeah. and that's it. Uh, adjacent to that, you normally have a play out director or a network director who, who runs the schedule for you and tells you when you're talking. Yeah, and shouts in your ear. Shouts in your ear. Wrong. Counts quite a lot. If there's any live programs, there's a lot of counting. So you need to concentrate very strongly on what you're saying and not to listen to the the counts too much because you could have you could have three different counts going on in your ear as well so you could you you could have a a count from a live outside broadcast which is coming off the air uh, a live count to an outside broadcast which is coming on the air plus your count from the network director as well so you can have three different people counting in your ear as you're trying to read a 15 second script which can't be any longer than 15 seconds and all the while a small voice is in your head as soon as you raise the fader for the mic, as soon as you're live to the nation, and the voice says, you could say fuck right now. <laughs> and then you push that to the back of your mind, and it says, fuck. Yep. Fuckity fuck. Don't say that. Fuckity fuck. 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 That's fuck. bad. That's a bad one. Don't and say then that. you're at the end of that 15-second item, and you think, I really hope I didn't say fuck. <laughs> I have no idea. So does someone want to have a go? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that bit. Anyone go want go anyone on? Sit in, sit down here. Go on. We've we've we've, we've made a we've script. Got a script for you and everything. Quite easy. We're just going to roll. All play. you got to do is read. You can be the announcer. And that's it. It'll we be will really be the easy. network director, the playout director. Yeah. There go we go. On, man. Here we go then. Right. So this is the way it works. We'll be the network directors. Yeah. <laughs> Stand by. <laughs> I don't know when to go. And remember, oh, once you start, you can't stop. Four, three, two, two, five, seven. And he.
here's how your Friday night is shipping up on XYZ 4421 Street is a medical drama on the edge. What do you mean we don't have it? Then that's 845 life after 321. How Dusty Bitten turned his life around after recovery and at 915, Merle Vorderman gives us five reasons why the number 369 is so important to her and her 15 friends. Three, two, one. Zero. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Didn't she do well? So if you'd like to hear some more from Pete Nottage there and some absolutely horrific stories from the depths of other continuity booths, we spoke to a collection of TV and radio's finest in episode 29. Hi, I'm Rory Bremner. I'm Donald Trump. I'm Barack Obama. I'm Jacob Rees-Mogg. I'm David Attenborough. I'm Louis Walsh. I'm Boris Johnson. And you are listening to The VoiceOver Social. So, on to day two. The second keynote speaker was the singer and comedy impressionist Jess Robinson. We originally spoke to her on the VoiceOver Social podcast backstage at Glastonbury a few years ago about her route into the industry and some other bits and bobs. That's episode 20. But when we caught up on the main stage at the One Voice conference, we asked her to tell us about how she overcomes her feelings of anxiety and, even she suffers from it, imposter syndrome. Well... My therapist once said that I should channel Liza Minnelli. Uh, he, he said, who, who do you know that who just wouldn't give a fuck? Who do you know that is just powerful and them the whole time? Channel them and say something and do a, a movement with it. To, so the movement was this because it felt powerful. And the words are, fuck ya! And then you get into being Liza Minnelli and then you can step into that audition or go for that casting or do the, the voice that you're not too sure about. But that yeah, so I, I channel lots of different people and I got a little, I made a little stupid poem uh, which goes, um, Stacey Solomon to giggle. Hmm? Lorraine Kelly to be polite. Brittany in the morning. Aguilera late at night. Cheryl for malaria. I couldn't think of anything else. Hillary to be blunt. And I'll channel Katie Hopkins when I want to be a columnist. <laughs> Thank you. It's amazing. There's more. Alanis to get angsty. Catherine Jenkins to be classy. To the Jesse J. Gurning. Street Porter to be arsy. Miley when I'm drinking. Alex Jones on a date. Kylie with my neighbours. And Jane Torville when I skate. I don't really know what she sounds like. <laughs> the only thing I mustn't do is muddle them in my head. Or I'm Stormy Daniels down the market. And Sonia from EastEnders in bed. At the end. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So Liza Minnelli. So Liza Minnelli. Okay, we're going to learn how to do Liza Minnelli. The first thing you've got to do to be Liza Minnelli is... Um, Get your voice in the back of your throat like this, like Mr. Bean, like Janet Street Porter. Say, hello, I'm at the One Voice Conference. Amazing. The next thing you've got to do is with your voice in the back of your throat, you've got to add in an American accent. So, oh boy, oh gee, I'm glad I'm here. Amazing. And as you've probably noticed, you're doing a spot on Judy Garland right now. 
The next thing you've got to do with your voice in the back of your throat and the American accent is you've got to add the shibboleth S's. So could you say seven shizzling sausages? We're getting there. This is great. You could already be on the Muppet show. <laughs> Just remember that voice for your character reel. It's excellent. <laughs> the next thing you've got to do is, uh, so we've got the voice in the back of the throat. We've got the American accent. We've got the eshes. Um, you know, you, you've got to get into the emotion of Liza. You never know if she's going to laugh or, or cry. I really relate to her. And... Um, <laughs> So you've got to say something funny and yet tragic at the same time. Make it quite breathy as well, like she's, like she's been running up the stairs. <sighs> oh, my schnauzer fell down the toilet, but then he drowned. We go. My schnauzer fell down the toilet, but then he drowned. That's very good. And now, uh, if you could do just as so though you've come up the stairs, you've been running a marathon. Uh, I've had both hips replaced. It's great, it's Liza. And then for a standing ovation from all of you and from me, I'd like you to sing, Come to the cabaret! Liza Minnelli! Liza Minnelli! Excellent. Well done. Some people are too hungover to stand up. That's okay. Next, it's the Equality Panel, chaired by voiceover Ali Murphy and featuring actor David Monteith too. But we start off with actor Roly Botha, who is non-binary. One of the big challenges that I'm coming up against at the moment um, is being asked to deliver a non-binary voice, which I will tell you confidently now does not exist. <laughs> Contrary to what you might have been told, there is no such thing. I have a non-binary voice because I am non-binary. There are people who were assigned male at birth and who identify as male who have really high voices. <laughs> and there are people who were assigned female at birth and identify as female who have really low voices. And I think, yeah, one of, one of the main things, I think, in terms of like how my identity has been something that I have been headbutting uh, the industry with is just that there's so little education around the nuances of gender identity um, and changing gender identity. And, and, and I know it's a new concept for, for a lot of people. I know it's not something that everyone has had to headbutt. Um, but um, yeah, that's probably the biggest one is this of education. I think, yeah, and, and you know, I completely agree with you because myself, I, I need to educate myself more on, um, because you've, you see the castings that come through in a lot of the non-binary now. And I think what a lot of casting people think they're saying is, oh, I can't tell if it's male or female, yeah. whereas it's not. And I think what's important when we're talking about casting authentically is that the non-binary voices that come through are people who do not identify as something like male or female, but they do identify as non-binary and they have those experiences behind them. And that's what is needed in casting authentically. Yeah, what you were saying about casting authenticity is really important. You know, if, if people see castings that are for transgender characters and they are not transgender, please do not take those castings, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, is what I would ask for. Uh, I think a lot of the time it's people not knowing what they don't know, which is why I think platforms like this are really, you know, really important. Yeah, I think it's important to speak about it with everybody so that people, it's awareness, isn't it? A lot of people kind of go through lives very happily, not realising the challenges that other people face. Thank you so much. 
David, hello, my lovely. <laughs> um, you spoke really passionately. You'd, I don't know if anyone uh, follows David on social media, but last year um, during the Black Lives Matter movement, you, you published these wonderful videos about uh, education and how people can educate themselves. Have you, are you still, I mean, these people who don't really want to educate themselves, this is a constant challenge for you. I'm, I'm not really bothered about the people who don't want to educate themselves. Um, what can I do about that? What I can do uh, is that people who want to listen, I, I will speak to. Um, and that also means if you make a mistake, I'm not going to jump down your throat because people make mistakes. And I also avoid certain, um, I also avoid certain words if I can. I never, I did several videos about Black Lives Matter, and if you go and watch them, you'll notice that never once did I say Black Lives Matter. Mainly because they start conversations which aren't the point, yeah. and people get lost in terminology, and I'm like, why are we arguing about the terminology? You're not learning anything. Mm. Um, you know, what I had to do was explain what privilege was to a lot of people, because it didn't mean to. Um, and I thought it was really interesting about people asking for different voices because um, <laughs> I spent a lot of my youth with people saying, uh, you know, talking to me on the phone and then meeting me, like, oh, I thought you were right on the phone. And I'm like, I've just got a voice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? But also um, learning. I was teaching at the Oxford School of Drama quite recently and there was someone who in my head I identified as a girl. Um, she was transgender. And they were transgender, so you keep doing it. And I kept calling them her during the thing. And in the end, I took them aside and I said, look, I'm really sorry. I see you've taken this really brave step to stand up and be identified as you want to be. But I'm over 50 and I want to change, but I'm, I'm entrenched. It's not easy. And she was very, they were very gracious to the fact that I couldn't change instantaneously, even though I wanted to. And I extend that same grace to people who get um, matters of colour wrong. Because mm. people get it wrong. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be a pushover on that either. Um, and no one should be for anything that they want to stand up for. Um, I... So, sorry, I'm going round and round and stuff. But coming back to voice, uh, I went to a studio for a, a very well-known games producer in this country, um, with you, actually. And I went into the booth and demonstrating how games work, and there was a script there, and I did this script. And they said to me, yeah, why don't we go for it with an urban voice? Mm. And there was no other white person, there was no other white person there that was asked to do it urban voice and you walk around the street now and you can hear you know white people doing urban voices whatever they are and it's the same thing I had when I was younger as an actor and um, I had a director he goes yeah no that was good but could you be more black oh. and I was kind of like well I kind of am black so <laughs> <laughs> what kind of black is it you're looking for <laughs> and in the end of the day we walked out of the rehearsal room and uh, there was a young urban youth standing there with his hood up, looking moody, and he went, like that. And I'm like, that is not the totality of the black experience yeah. right there. But I find the same thing has happened, has happened in voice. You know, I, um, I don't want to be cast as a black doctor. I want to be cast as a doctor. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, can I keep talking? Yeah, please. Good. So, because, um, so this, this is where I kind of get angry because I love comic books and I've been to comic conventions lots and I keep getting asked to be on the equality and diversity panel. And I'm like, but I, I, I made some notes. 
So I looked through. I didn't. I didn't worry about yesterday or tomorrow because I'm not here. Obviously, it's not important. The world's revolving around me and all. But I just looked through the listings for today. So I worked out if the website is right. There are 27 events today. Um, participants: there are 19 women and 20 men. So that's 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 not bad. There were two black people today, and two of them on the same panel. Yeah. Right now, uh, about ethnic and diversity. Now, one there's two other black people uh, taking part this weekend. One is doing a panel about being African, it's a bit pointed, uh, and, and there's no problem with that. Uh, there's no problem with that per se, but the other person's doing an ethics panel, which is a step away from the equality panel. Yeah. And I'm like, actually, the best way to demonstrate equality is to put diverse people on panels that are not just about equality and diversity. Yeah, absolutely. So that you change the subcultural the subconscious landscape of your mind by seeing people that are different just doing stuff without parading it going look how we're supporting equality because the minute you do that some people get entrenched in their old way of thinking and what we want to do is just change the what people are seeing without them even realizing they're doing that mm -hmm. so don't stick me on an equality panel ever again please i mean i'm really i'm really i'm really glad to be here because I'll have no other chance to say it because I haven't been put on any other panels. But I'd so thank you um, for that space. But this is not the place where we demonstrate equality and diversity. It's pointless. So the conference organisers are right now in the middle of running the American version of One Voice, so they couldn't join us for a proper chat about David's comments. But they have recorded a statement. Here's Hugh Edwards. Hello, Leah and everybody. Um, I do hear what um, David's saying here, and he's absolutely right that uh, just shoving a bunch of people on a diversity panel like some sort of tick box exercise would be less than useless. But that isn't what we did. Um, we had people of colour booked for the UK conference covering other topics as well. And as an organisation, we are 100% committed to promoting discussion not just on racial equality, but also on gender equality, equality on sexual orientation and equality for those with disabilities. And further to that, I would like to add that since last year we have made significant progress in terms of gender and sexuality with our speakers roughly half and half male and female and with at least 10 of our presenters identifying as being from the LGBT community. Regarding people of colour specifically though, we are careful to make sure that the makeup of our speakers at least reflects the makeup of the population nationally. But the problem with that is that if speakers have to cancel through, you know, no circumstances of their own, there's just not enough flex in the system and it ends up looking like we haven't even bothered trying when actually we have. And also, the people that are established enough in their fields to provide a great session to a niche industry, it is a limited pool, so that does have an impact. And I also do recognise that just reflecting the population might not be enough and that, you know, you can't be what you can't see and that having people of colour statistically overrepresented on the stage might be a positive step and we are working towards that. I would, however, slightly like to come back on two points that David made, which I didn't think were totally fair. Um, the first one being that Emeka Anunkaru's fantastic talk on the opportunities available in Nigeria and the wider parts of Africa was just as valid as the other talks on the schedule. And actually, it's a part of a larger message that we've been promoting for over a year now about the future of VO and it being heavily linked to globalisation. Um, so that was a, a completely relevant topic. And the second one was um, that of Tim Odefin's inclusion as the chair on the ethics panel, which it 
is a very different topic to that of equality, and was also very important. And it shows actually our commitment to empowering people of colour with positions of authority at the One Voice Conference. But all that said, I am listening. We are always trying to improve, and actually, I'd like to invite our community to help us with this, because more voices means more viewpoints, and that means we can take even more steps towards a safe, positive, and inclusive environment for everyone. Now we recorded a live episode of the Voiceover Social at the One Voice Conference, all about accent discrimination and voiceover, and how to book more work in your native accent. The full version of which is out in October. But here's a little clip kicking off with a video of Katie, who's an agent at the Voiceover Gallery Agency in Manchester, talking about which regional accents they're being asked for. We get a lot of they ask for a northern accent, but it's never specified to a region. We we very rarely get the sort of Liverpudlian or North East, it's usually what they call a generic Northern, which perhaps doesn't exist, but in the world of voiceover it yeah. seems to exist. Um, and that's that's becoming more and more common, probably more over more so than an RP voice, actually, which is nice. Yeah, so we heard Northern from quite a few different people, actually, but uh, Yashi also told us this thing, which illustrates quite nicely what we're all doing here. I did one recently, I can't say who, because, you know... <laughs> they wanted a regional accent and I think it was also their push for diversity because they as a company are also trying to push for diversity in the UK whether that's accent based race based LGBT based um so they're quite strict on having people who are actually from there (laughs) to record rather than people doing accents by themselves or who are not natively from up north that authenticity and casting thing that came up on the equality panel earlier as well. Mm. And it's just so bloody patronising, like, that the people behind these campaigns think we won't understand what anybody's bloody saying. Plus, <laughs> me, absolutely not. And, and actually, the statistics recently about the percentage of the population who speak with variants of RP is actually only about 3% in the UK, between 3 and 5%, depending on the research you read. So, you know, the majority in terms of accent is not RP. RP is an accent within the pot, like it's an accent in itself amongst all these other accents. So yeah, just, I'm, I'm just, I'll stay calm about it. Yeah, you can. <sighs> um, I've written here, grr, I'm livid anyway, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> 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 that was such a natural read. Man. Thank you. Grr, grr. <laughs> All of our agents actually said that a softer rather than stronger version of the regional accent was also what they're being asked for. So, you know, the ability to dial it up and dial it down um, is is something that's quite useful. Yeah. Do you have a go? Okay. So, well, this uh, this is my this is my normal speaking voice, but I definitely can talk a lot more Manchester because I live there. I've lived there a long time. So, this is like my alternative voiceover option. Then what's yours? Sound. Yeah, mate. Um, <laughs> so the, the accent that I get asked to, when, when people don't think I'm Irish enough, um, um, I don't know if you frequent Irish bars in America, uh, but you'll hear me on the phones. You'll hear me on the phones of many of them if you call them going, Welcome to O'Shaughnessy's Irish Bar here in Detroit. <laughs> it's Wacky Wing Thursday, so come on and get your Irish wings. <laughs> and the full version of that live episode will be out on the 1st of October. We've got one more thing to play you, which is possibly the best bit of the entire conference. But just before we do, if you're a voiceover or you use voiceovers, we're publishing a version of this voiceover social one voice conference episode with a 
how do you describe it? I, I think I describe it as like a much geekier filter on it. And that's next week for people who do work in the industry. So the best bits we've chosen for that one cover things like rates and usage, auditions and agents and things like that. So we'd love for you to join us there. You can find us at thevosocial.com or wherever you're listening to the media podcast, obviously. So here's one of our voiceover friends to introduce our final favourite bit. Hello, I'm Alex Hangover, sometimes known as Alex Pitcher. I was nominated for Best Outtake at the One Voice Awards, but sadly didn't win, which basically means it was worse than the worst. Anyway, Leah and Nick loved it and have asked me to introduce it as part of this Best of the One Voice Conference episode. Sadly, they weren't judges. If you'd like to be in with a chance of winning this highly coveted award next year, my tip is just to simply be immature, just like me. (laughs) Thanks very much for having me on the podcast, and here's my submission flaps. Let's edit the flaps inside the intake airbox number one map at this address. (laughs) Let's edit the flaps inside the intake airbox number one map at this address. The vertical axis shows the engine revolutions and the (laughs) horizontal... I'm a consumer professional. There's nothing funny about flaps. There's nothing funny about flaps. Flaps, 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 flaps. There's nothing funny about flaps. Flaps, flaps, flaps. Nothing funny about flaps. The vertical axis shows the engine revolutions, and the horizontal axis shows the percentage of incoming air. The values in the chart are expressed in percentage of flap... I can't do it. Oh, right, that's funny. That's the funny bit out of the way. That's done. Okay. Flappers opening, flappers opening. The values in the chart are expressed in percentage of... (laughs) Oh, God. The values in the chart are expressed in percentage of flappers opening. Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of the Media Podcast. I should say as well that I am also available at wonderful rates from my agent, London VoiceOver. Uh, And if you have even a passing interest in the world of voiceover, I can thoroughly recommend as well the VoiceOver Social Podcast. Uh, Episodes include an investigation into the secret history of the RP accent, an audio diary of their trip to a seaside village near Aberdeen, and the worryingly named Sex Noises. Uh, you can find it at podkite.link slash thevosocial. Uh, and the media podcast will return in the autumn. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.